This is Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 26 for February 20th, 2011. Yeah, we put the date on this one. Yeah, we're tagging this one. Totally tagged. <laughs> you know, it's funny, metadata just on its own, just as a, a quick tangent, uh-huh. is fascinating. Like over at Jay Maisel's place, he's got 200,000 slides downstairs. That's a lot of slides. You know, whatever, cataloged. In these boxes, who the hell knows where everything is and how to find it? You know, nowadays we're like, oh, I think I took that picture in like February of 03. Yeah. And you could just go, show me all my pictures from February of 03. Right. That I shot in Chicago, you know, of this person that yeah. was, you know, that was outside. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was wearing a red shirt. Yeah. The, the, you, you can the, narrow it down. It's funny because even myself, I end up doing... Um, I tag things with the – I usually put the date in the file name. Mm. So, you know, Dan Gottesman, um, uh, you know, 110220 if I shot you today, right? Sure. Uh, and it's just kind of – but it's like I don't really need to do that because the date's in the metadata. It's true. You know, uh, but you, I have a habit of doing that. Yeah. And very then, interesting. I mean, it, it's well, – I think that my first – yeah, I, I guess if I had to – Think about it for a second. My first real exposure to the concept Ha-ha, of metadata, nice, nice joke, <laughs> was uh, was was uh, was the ID three tag that sure. uh, in MP threes, yeah. and the whole concept of the fact that you know there was a little bit more to the file than its its name and its creation date. You know, like back in the yeah. old days, that that's kind of all you had to work with. Yeah. Um. But then then came along the uh, the ID three tag for the MP three format. And you can embed all of this other crazy stuff, even like album art. Uh, and then, you know, the, suddenly the file name became sort of like, eh, whatever. You know, as long as in your fa- metadata fact, is good. We, we embed the uh, album art in our own podcasts. Yes, we do. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. That goes, it's all the metadata and raw files now. I mean, it's insane the amount of information you can pull out of there. Well, yeah. I don't know if you know this. Um, that's where you, if you want to check on the number of... Uh, what they call actuations, you know, basically the number of clicks that your camera has, has yeah. shot. That's where that information is. It's not actually in the camera itself, at least on a, on the Nikon. It's not, is, is it actually in every Nikon raw file? It should be. How do you, I mean, is there any way to get to it in Lightroom or do you need to use some kind of crazy tool? I think you need like a, a slightly beefier metadata reader. I haven't checked the latest version of Lightroom. Um, I don't think it, cause a lot of that, you know, there's a ton of stuff that gets, you know, there, that there are fields for that don't get just, they're not in the default, you know, list. Right. Um, maybe there's like a giant grid or a giant list with checkboxes that you can say, show me this, this, and this, and that one's off by default. But I know I've checked it using, I think graphic converter on the Mac or some, okay. some, maybe some, some tool called like Exif sleuth or something like that, that just, you know, gives you all of the seven pages of, you know, giant, list of uh of particular bits that are available that are you know half of them are blank anyway you know doesn't even have anything in there sure um, no it, it, i remember somebody was saying that when i started converting all of my stuff to dng mm-hmm. um there was some nikon guy who said well yeah but on a nikon you know the the native raw format uh you lose some of the metadata i was like well what metadata are you using he's like well in the metadata in Nikon RAW files, it tells you which autofocus point was used to take the picture. I'm like, it does. I mean, and the other cool thing is that you, you know how the the higher end cameras like the D3s have that um, 
audio memo function, yes. that right. gets that's in the metadata as well. That gets like yeah. built into the raw file. Now that one I can understand, but yeah. the focus point thing still goes right through my head. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it you can't do anything about it afterwards. It's either in focus on what you want it to no, be in focus on or not. If you're trying to freaking troubleshoot and you're like, oh man, for some reason every time it uses this focus point, it's off or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. It just it just seems know. like okay. You know what? I'm willing to give up that little bit of data. <laughs> In order to have my stuff all in a format that I know will be readable in ten years. Good, good for you, Bill. Good for uh, you. But it just it just cracks me up. But the um, but yeah, in in the old old time, man, doing that stuff by hand. Yeah. What a nightmare. Can you imagine? There, I mean, they must have had like some some like form that you fill out. You know, like a yeah, like 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 the way the same way that you do that with, with like a, a two inch reel of tape. You know, with a giant list. Sure. And then you put you know wh- you know all the time stamps on, and then what take track lists, and, and then all yeah. of the instruments, or you know if this is a good take or a bad take. Yeah. All that shit. It's probably the same they, thing. Uh, you know, uh, I met a guy at a luncheon the other day who teaches. How's his name? Jack Riznecki. Mm. Oh, this like is the, the mastering dude, right? No, no, no. This guy is a, a photo photographer. Oh, okay. Uh, and he he teaches classes at at Parsons or one of those places, mm-hmm. SVA, on uh, on copyright law. Mm, that sounds like fun. Yeah, but interesting because copywriting images is such a pain in the ass. Like, you know, it's just or or rather, if you read what they how they tell you to do it, it's like this complete spins you around like wait i use this form for multiple images but what defines multiple images and can it be anything and you have to name them and you have to do them this size and you know you it's, have to fill out all these forms it's nuts dude i mean i was i was listening to you wouldn't happen to be a fan of uh of uh off the hook by any chance would you do no. you, you feeling with that podcast uh, i uh, do not listen to it uh it's it's the official podcast of uh 2600 magazine okay um it, and it's not particularly nerdy i mean don't, don't get me wrong there are definitely some nerds on there but that they don't go into nuts and bolts details about stuff they tend to which is odd because it is 2600 magazine. <laughs> no i know i know but there's these guys have been doing it for years and years and years and now now a lot of the stuff kind of the general topic of conversation floats around uh political stuff like right okay. stuff like you know they're all over the whole wikileaks thing and these guys are big privacy advocates and sure you know uh all the hacker conventions and you know uh, be, you know, getting searched and stopped at, at the border. And, you know, when the the whole sure. uh, the scanning, you know, the X ray scanners came around, they're talking yeah. about that kind of. So that, that's that's you know their general area of of topic um, area of coverage. But anyway, uh, one of the recent shows I've been I've been so behind on my podcasts lately, so I'm just kind of stacking them up. So sometime within the past month, um, they had this this uh, guest on who produced a film a documentary um maybe it wasn't a documentary i think actually it was a, an animated uh movie, like an animated feature and it was using uh she ba- she basically used um this old recording of this i guess a jazz singer from the 20s or something like that a really old recording and she was explaining to them and us the audience uh about how huge of an insane pain in the ass copyright law is as far as like the different rights when it comes to music for oh, music specific. is a nightmare hey i've it, taken business music business classes and copyright classes it kind of blew me away though i mean I, i've always known about it but i'm like holy crap i didn't really spend any time thinking about yeah. how there's like you got like there's the people who wrote the tune yep then there's the people who then there's the like the mechanical rights as far as the sheet music is concerned yep. and then there's the the actual recording of the yeah. song and yeah, then 
And then there's and then you have different rights to like to to, to broadcast it versus yep. to versus to use it in a film and then yeah. and then next thing you know there's like five different company and and then the crazy thing is with these older recordings um some of this stuff some of these a lot of these people are dead you know yep. so she, she what she found out it was like you know the 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 rights to the thing that to the bit that she needed to use worked out just fine because you know no one had renewed the license and you know um it was technically in the public domain, but she couldn't do this other thing that she wanted to do because the people who wrote the tunes were, you know, that that those rights holders were still intact um, somewhere else. And I don't know. She just made it sound like it was a tremendous it's, nightmare. <laughs> it's weird because in America, you know, you you have some song that you sang that's on the radio, mm-hmm. and if you didn't write that song, you don't get anything for it being on the radio. No, you know, it's like there's there's no performance royalties in America. Uh, yeah. which which there are in the uk and eu there's there's uh, they're they're all about csac we're all we're all uh, ASCAP and bmi yeah it's 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 just it's just nuts so uh, ideally what you want to be is a person who sings your own songs well who writes your own songs yeah yeah and, yeah and then, write and sing and your own songs right is that's that's where it's at like you, you want to be billy joel you don't right. want to be Katy perry or you if you, at worst case, you want to be like, you know, Alan Thicke or, or what's his name? Uh, oh, ideally, <laughs> actually, that would be awesome because you could be Diane Warren and just like sit there and like soak up the cash at the end. Or, or what's his name? Uh, um, Barry Manilow. Oh, God, yeah. That guy. Hell, Barry Manilow wrote, uh, 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 he's like written. a good neighbor, State Farm is there. <laughs> well, he he's did. also written, I think, he, didn't he write some Michael Jackson tunes too? Maybe I, I don't know. Thinking, or I guess Quincy Jones is, is probably Quincy more. Jones wrote. Well, I mean, he co-wrote a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's so yeah. So in the same way for images, I mean, I I will admit meekly is that there's some stuff I have formally copywritten, whatever. But then there's a lot of stuff that I haven't just because I haven't gotten around to dealing with the paperwork. You know. Yeah. Such a and hassle. it costs. Then it costs money on top of it. It's like well. <laughs> I, you know, how often am I doing this? Every three months? Every six months? Yeah, and, and here's, I mean, we've touched on this before, um, but here's here's what I'm what I'm curious about, or what what, what what's really interesting is that these rules um, that have all been put in place. Man, I just I just watched this. I'm going to make a slight tangent here, but I, I just finished watching this uh, documentary called um, Inside Job. Okay, familiar with it? A documentary. Uh, give me more. It's uh, it's about the essentially why uh the big financial collapse of 2008 happened okay like how it happened i have not watched it but it sounds interesting it's pretty interesting it's a little over my head um because i can't keep track of all these different people and the the stuff that they were talking about was credit default swaps uh all that shit yeah just all these all this big bank and and that's exactly how they want it they want it so complex that you can't keep up right well here's here's what i took away from it and and i and i kind of it kind of rings in with this point that i'm going to make uh, and that is essentially what's happening now is, and, and from from what I and again I'm I'm not an expert here, but from what I took away from this thing, apparently sometime in the in the 80s, right around the time when Ronald Reagan was president, one of the things that got a got a got its start was this deregulation mm-hmm. of of uh, of you know the, the government was basically sort of slowly but surely being cut out of protecting the people from you know, the willy nilly wild west of, of, you know, big, big bank finance, you know, where these, where these banks were in the, in the past, 
you know, people were way more accountable for the, the decisions that they made. Well, and between then, between the Great Depression and now and the 80s, they were. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then slowly but surely over the next 15, 20 years, um, as these companies got bigger and bigger, here's here's my again, my, my sort of one one liner takeaway is that people got greedy and lazy. Yep. And and I don't think, you know, that is what it is. I'm not going to – I've definitely got my share of greed and laziness uh, in, in the mix. Um, but I have a feeling that that, is, that has become this, this newish uh, fiber or whatever you want to call it, you know, component of – of, you know, society. Uh, and we're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it. And like, look at, look at, remember we were talking about, uh, and I know we talked about this in some previous episode about how music is different and how, you know, kids, you know, are, are the, you know, there's people who are like, you know, just now coming of age who have never really considered paying for music, you know, thanks right. to Napster and the internet. It's like, what, what do you mean I have to pay for this? It's, it's, I could just download it for free over here, you know, and these, these people are growing up and, and, and becoming professionals now. And, and I have a feeling it's, it's only going to keep going in that direction, you know? Um, it's, it's so, so where does that leave musicians? Uh, well, musicians are all about selling t-shirts, man, selling tickets and t-shirts. <laughs> That's the shit that you can't pirate. <laughs> um, you use, you use your recordings as, as coupons or as, you know, as advertisement. Um, and then, I mean, look at, well, here's another example. Look at what Kevin Smith is up to now with his, uh, his red state film. I'm sure you heard about that, right? Uh, I know that he's doing a movie called red state. I don't know much. Oh, well he didn't, he couldn't get it. No one wanted it, right? So he's gonna. No, not even that, dude. He, he, I think he wound up getting an offer. I think, but he basically but it decided wasn't as much as he wants. No, I don't think so. I think he basically he's at this point in his life and his career where he's like, you know what, dudes? Uh, this movie cost me four or five million dollars to make, and the concept of spending six times that, five six times that, just to advertise it, just to market it, and get, you know get it out there, seems retarded to me. Uh, because I think I could, you know, he, he basically made a little bet with himself that he could probably put the same amount of time and energy in himself and, and take it around and spread the word. And, and then, you know, it's that whole concept of, of the true fan, you know, it's like, well, shit, dude. Yeah. You could, you could maybe collect one or two random fans as you go with the giant, you know, shotgun approach, or you can do the sniper approach where you just basically, you know, you're every single person who buys your thing is a, is a fucking fan is someone who's into it in, in making that shit, you know, choice. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's Kevin Smith. So therefore he has that thing to do that. Well, it's true, but uh, you know, another example of someone who did that, um, who sort of said, fuck the system was, uh, was Frank Zappa man back in the day. And that guy, you know, don't, don't I'm not saying he's perfect or anything like that, but he basically, once he was free from the big, you know, the big, I think Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers was his big uh, conflict. Um, once he was free of them, he just, he just put shit out, man. And people, you know, once everybody sure. knew who he was, they came to the shows and bought the stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, look, Prince now does all of his own stuff, but you yeah. know, Prince hasn't had anything good come out since he left yeah, Warner it's, Brothers. That's yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's true. I don't, I'm not a huge Prince no, fan. It's, I don't it's, to his it's, stuff. You're right. And it's interesting. And, and I mean, th- this is the, certainly the case for say publishing, right. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, great. You know, yeah. If you publish your book through random house, you're only getting, you know, one cent on the dollar or whatever the hell you're doing. Mm. Um, but you know what? Random house might get it on the table at borders. Well, it's like, you know what? Borders is going out of business. So it's true. And then here's the other thing, man. So like, let's, let's just follow this, this point of mine through for one more second. Uh, and that's like, okay, so now, now we've got these, these people in the sort of whatever the 18 to 25 age range who have this sort of this new, this new ethic um, of the, I'm not going to pay a lot for this crap because I can get it for free. For this um, muffler. I was, yeah, I was thinking that too, but I figured it wasn't a relevant enough joke. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Uh, and now, and, you know, these people are going to get gigs, you know, get, get jobs as buyers and as, you know, they're going to replace the older people who work at magazines and record studios and, and radio stations and what have you. M- Mega um, what? What is that? <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing, man. It's like the same thing's going to happen. What, what happened with that? Uh, what, what was it? Newsweek? With the, the, they bought a fucking a flicker picture of the, the jar of coins picture. Couple oh, years ago, okay. oh, it was a couple years ago, man. Some like the cover of it was either Time or Newsweek, one of those big, you know, weekly news magazines. Uh, basically, found their their cover shot on I don't know if it was Flickr on Getty or or, or iStock or some. You know, they basically got it for sure. like a thousand bucks when the licensing, if if they'd commissioned it or if they'd gotten a quote unquote professional real photographer, would have cost like you know ten to twenty thousand dollars. Right. Um, and you know, I remember making a few waves there, but I'm I'm, I'm telling you, man, that's. That's going to be happening more and more because as these people who have that sort of mindset get, you know, get more mature and get better jobs. Um, and, you know, and the other thing to take into mind is is the fact that there's still this constant barrage, man. There's more and more people doing this stuff than there were right, ever so, before. So what is the answer? What, what do you mean what is the answer? Well, if this is the case and, you know, they're going to buy it off of stock photography instead of hiring photographers. Yeah. To go back to your earlier thing of saying – websites where photographers are bitching about it a lot right 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 well then what is the answer well i think the answer for me if i had i haven't really put a ton of thought into it but off the top of my head i'm gonna default to the who you know argument which i found more and more uh is is kind of the most important aspect of this game um because because here's the thing man you take you t- let's say you take three of your favorite, most talented photographers or musicians or artists or whatever, um, and then you know ask them who's who's going to get the work. It's not necessarily going to be the one who's most talented. It's going right. to be the one who knows the right people. Right. Um, and, and and you know for whatever maybe that guy you know his dad is in the business or he you know his wife or or whatever. But I think it all boils down to I think the most the most important. Um, tool that you can have the most the, the 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 most valuable skill that you need to to develop isn't you know outside as if you know outside of your art I mean obviously you, you definitely need to be good enough for your stuff to look good and, and warrant that kind of attention but the thing that you need to to secure gigs and and separate yourself from everybody else and to to get those gigs is you need those relationships man you need that that buzz you need that uh, that cred or whatever you want to call it that reputation. Yep. Um, I think. I mean, that's well. That's, that's but that's, that's you know that's that's assuming that there's still enough work out there, even for that. Uh, I mean, dude, there's there's going to be work, man. I was I was at my friend's house the other day, and I just looking at their coffee table, and you know, there's like what seven or eight magazines, two three video games, a couple of CDs, a DVD or two. Every single one of these things had hundred. You know, if you if I had to just take a quick guess at, at the number of actual images represented in all of these different pieces of okay yes but p- how paper. many of them were actually paid for well someone had to pay something for some of them <laughs> you know i'm not going to say they're all you know you know money makers but yeah. but you know someone did someone well, i mean did. i guess the question comes down to yeah okay you can somebody's paying for it but are they paying enough so that the person who's making it can actually pay their rent well yeah, yeah that's where it gets that's where it I gets mean, tricky. And that's that's where it gets tricky and 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 that's i think a lot of the argument that some of the people that you're reading are making yeah, and I think yeah. what's what's happening, and this this is something they echoed in the uh, in the something that they mentioned in the uh, the, the documentary, the the film, um, was that as the as the the value of property uh, sank, thanks to the the financial jerks, yeah. um, people were basically the, the value of their time 
went down. And so you'd see the, you know, the middle class people, you know, the people in the middle, I guess kind of where you and I would fit technically. Um, that's where you get screwed is because then you need, you know, in order, you you know, your hour of time isn't worth as much. So you need to, you need to work more. So they, they had this weird, this, this chart that basically said that, you know, over this period, the number of hours worked, um, like tripled or something like that, or maybe not triple, but it went way, way up, you know, because people needed to have multiple jobs and you know, this and that. Buying power goes down. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It is kind of crazy. But, uh, so wait, getting back to the thing. So the guy, the guy does all of this, um, uh, what's it called stuff? Uh, the, the image copyright stuff. Yeah. So he, I, I said, well, you know, you and I need to talk cause you know, cause he says that he's got it down to a science and he uses like Photoshop droplets. Wait, which guy kinds is this? Of stuff. The guy who teaches the class on copyright. Oh, okay. So I was like, well, you know, you and I are going to be best friends. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to hang out with him and he's going to like, give me the skinny, which, you know, should make some interesting blog posts and stuff. When are you doing but, that? Uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, he's going away for the week. So, but he'll be back, uh, beginning of March. So I'm going to get a hold of him. He's also one of the guys who goes around and talks about printers for Epson. Oh yeah. Which is kind of interesting to me because my printer is starting to act a little weird and now they've kind of discontinued these printers at HP. So, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do if this one dies soon, you know? Well, why did, why did you choose Epson? I'm sorry, HP over Epson in the first place? Uh, two reasons. One, uh, this has both matte and photo black inks in it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, I was doing a lot of switching between media. Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot of people bitching about things clogging on the mm-hmm. Epsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this printer does auto head cleaning every day, so that never happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also has a closed loop, uh, calibration system in it. Mm. So it actually calibrates itself, mm. which it's, I mean, the output of the printer and everything are great. And they, it also uses larger, um, there's more ink per cartridge than there were in the equivalent Epson. Right. So the actual price per milliliter is like 20, 30% lower. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's great. And the, look, I love the output of it. It's just that, you know, if I can't get the cartridges, there's a certain point at which, you know. Well, plus over time, I mean, that thing has a lot of moving parts. They're, they're going to wear yeah, exactly. out at some point. They're not designed And I don't print forever. that much, but, you know, it's, it's – so anyway, I was thinking about it. And, the, you know, there's those – the 3880 or whatever it is. Well, they the, just released the, the 4000, I think, didn't they? Yeah, but that one's like $2,500, and I'm not spending $2,500 on a printer. <laughs> right on. Uh, and I actually said to him, I said, you know, is there a – I mean, both the – 3000 and the 4000 are 17 inch printers with pigment ink like is there a huge you know what why get one over the other i mean if it's just sort of like you know oh this one's more battle tested and ready for a big studio it's like well you know i'm not printing that much you know or Mm -hmm. this one prints roll paper well i don't use roll paper so that's not a big deal you know right um but apparently there uh there's more inks in the newer ones there's a i forget what the hell it is like a hyper magenta or some kind of crazy you know like there's like 10 inks instead of eight. Oh, okay nice um which you know does expand the gamut although i've never really had a big gamut problem with any of my recent printers because you know they all look pretty good nowadays yeah um but anyway so it was interesting so i got to talk to him about that too maybe he can hook me up with a deal sweet uh, um but uh yeah see well there you go people you know right yep I'm, I'm telling you that's, that's uh, what it's all about and um so uh so i'm working on a couple of new things i'm uh these are personal things for me uh-huh. uh 
you may know, but some of our listeners may not know, is if you go to ontakingpictures.com, mm-hmm. you will see my blog where I am posting daily shots. Now, I did 365 portraits a few years ago, um, and I wanted to do another daily thing, but I didn't necessarily want to be taking uh, portraits every day just because portraits are sometimes a real pain in the ass to take because you got to deal with getting the people and organizing it all. Sure. So the, the logistics of it are a big giant nightmare. Totally. So I figure, you know what, I'll shoot people when I can shoot people and I will do other stuff when I can't shoot people or if I have better ideas. You, you, um, you essentially relaxed the restrictions. I have. And, and it's been fun actually, because I've been, I've shot some stuff that I wouldn't have done if all I was doing was shooting portraits. Sure. You know, I've been doing some like weird still lifes and things. Did you see the orange and the blue? I did. That was pretty. That was, it's kind of weird. Well, um, yeah, that, that's actually more my, my old style. I like that. Kind yeah. Of stuff. And it's fine. And you know, it's kind of fun to do some of that stuff because it's like, it's all about little moves and kind of getting things like perfect, perfect, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a way that portrait photography isn't. Um, and, uh, it was funny. What was I working on the other day that, Oh, I, oh! I was shooting scissors today for because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I cut my own hair today, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's uh, I was shooting the scissors and trying to get that right. And it's kind of like you know what? It's kind of fun shooting things that don't move on you. Hey, man, that's that's my one of my very favorite things. You know, yeah, I I, 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 I might have said this before, but recently, um, as recently as in the past three to six months, just having seen what I've seen at work, um, and you know, planning planning for the future i i'm i gotta say i'm i'm pretty jazzed about the whole quote-unquote still life thing you know the product thing um yeah there's something about the control and the and the the precision and the uh the quality that you get that you know once you once you start taking it seriously it's it's pretty cool i kind of dig it yeah no it's it's and it's it's fun because it it's almost the exact opposite extreme of portraits you know yeah and while i i really do get off on the interaction between the subject and myself. Uh, sometimes it's fun to do stuff where there isn't a time limit in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I was, uh, I stumbled across, um, a link to this dude who disassembles machinery. Well, not machinery, mm-hmm. just common devices. I think he did like a, uh, a clock, like a clock radio, an old school clock radio and like lays t- out all the pieces. And then and typewriter. That. Yeah. Did you see that dude? No, but uh, it sounds cool. Yeah. So, so he has a couple of neat little shots like that where he'll, the first shot will be like this very precision, you know, very intricately organized. I mean, that, and that's kind of fun. I could see myself doing that as a, you know, as a time killer, you know, it's like, here, take this apart and sort out all the parts in, in yeah. some sort of order, you know? So, you know, nowadays the- you're going to pull out a little PCB. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Um, but no, you know, old, old devices like, yeah, a, like a typewriter sure. or whatever. So he did that. Uh, and then, um, that was like the, you know, the variation number one and then the variation number two. And I'm, I didn't, he didn't have any really great behind the scenes, uh, shots on how he does this. I can only imagine it's with wires or something like that. I want to see him put it all back together again. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, uh, he would actually arrange these things in a sort of like state of explosion sort of composition where he'd like kind of he'd have all the pieces like kind of suspended in air uh, as if they're cool. flying apart. Yeah, it was really cool. So, you know, I saw his website. I, I cannot remember where it is. I can maybe find it um, uh, for you later. But uh, his, I guess, yeah. I went to his website, uh, and his, I guess, his bread and butter is uh, is cars. Uh, he's one of those car car dudes, and I kind of forgot about that man. But car car photography is its own special beast, man. Oh yeah, big giant rooms. 
well, big giant rooms and big giant reflective objects. You yeah, know, so the like, lights have to be up high and like, or you know, or, it's well, just, funny how many yeah. reflections there are in those things that you don't even you kind of just look past. Well, you, I mean, you you don't understand. You don't have to. You have to respect how precision, you know, precisely intention, you know, how precisely designed those reflections are. That's oh, the yeah. key. I mean, that's the secret to to that kind of photography is like is like engineering those reflections and those highlights. Yeah, you know, that's the it's, trick. Or, or when they shoot watches and stuff and they take like multiple pictures for multiple little tiny sections of it. So, oh, the hands, we have the lights over here, but then we, and they, right. you know, put it all together after the fact. Right. So the camera stays put, the object stays put, but then the lights go all over the place so that you can get the different highlights and the different, you know, yeah, bits and pieces. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that, that I'd like to get more involved in, in the future. No, that's totally cool stuff. Yeah. The, um, uh, the, uh, so yeah, so I did some of that stuff and I've shot some people and, like I was telling you before, I've met some of these weird, not weird, but all the, some of these old school photographers who, uh, who have been around for 40, 50 years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fascinating people to talk to, especially considering they have, you know, rooms full of slides. <laughs> you know, it's right. funny, uh, in, on my blog and those pictures from Jay Maisel, I don't know if you saw the pictures of the slides in the little, the tray. Yeah. And the carousel. And it, yeah, no, actually, they were all just in a regular, like, in this big tray. And apparently, when he likes the pictures, he puts, like, a little tick with a pen on top, uh-huh. on the top edge of the slide. And so he can look at a tray of slides, and the ones that have more ticks are better pictures. Uh-huh. So, like, over time, he could have this huge tray of, you know, a 1,000 pictures and know at a glance, oh, yeah, this set is kind of weak because it's only got one or two ticks, and this one has seven ticks, and so these are good. Mm-hmm. Um just kind of an interesting way of doing selects. It's sort of like a very old star system. Yeah. You know, like, sure. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's metadata. It's just harder to get at. Yeah. You know, Um, but I'm also doing uh, those uh, diorama things, which are proving to be harder to get the places that I want. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I've done the two of them. I did this, the snow one, and then I did the diner one. um, And I'm working on, uh, I have a list of, places and 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 whatever that i'm trying to get and i've got a few of them lined up that i'm going to shoot at but the trick about those is that you need multiple i'm using multiple subjects for a lot of them Mm -hmm. so it's uh just time consuming getting everyone lined up and on the same page you know oh we're gonna do it on tuesday oh i can't do it on tuesday because you know well i gotta i can tell you how how you can make it a little easier if you want by uh by putting some money on the table. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing. That's, I'm just saying that's, that's kind of yeah, what, sure. what makes or breaks it when, you know, when there's an incentive sure. uh, on the I table. I just can't afford to be spending tons of money putting these pictures together. I hear you. I'm just, just uh, thought I'd throw that out there. For no, it's certainly, it's certainly <laughs> the way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, um, but you know, it's, it's good because they're, they're something different for me. Did you see that picture of, uh, Heather and Claude was in it? Cause Claude I was did. in the neighborhood. I did. Yeah, so that came out pretty cute. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it, it was, it was good. So I've got a bunch of those. I have a huge list on my thing here all set up, uh, which is going to be a good time, but you know, it's, it's, it's about shooting all the time. What is the old, uh, Picasso thing? You know, inspiration exists, but it has to find your working. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I haven't heard that one. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, have you, have, what have you been shooting lately? Anything exciting? Not really. Um, I, I've been sort of gearing up for, uh, for pretty major change actually. Right. Um, 
Uh, well, you met my friend Seth when he was in town a couple weeks ago for Indeed. that gig that he had. He he has been doing a pretty decent job of like slowly but surely working his way into sustaining himself, you know, as a photographer. Um, the only thing sort of in his way, if you ask me, is the fact that he's stuck in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, where the, you know, the dynamic is totally different. You know, there's less people and there's less, there's less work, but then there's more, you know, then, but there's always a need for certain kind of work, but then there's only like four guys who do it, you know, and these guys have been doing it forever and ever. Um, but anyway, um, he and I work really well together and um, he came to town for a couple of shoots, and I assisted him, and uh, it was it was tons of fun. And that's it. Just sort of reminded me that that's kind of what I wanted, you know, to be, to be doing. Um, not not unlike the stuff that you and I were working on before I took my full time job, right? Um, and so, uh, as I might have mentioned in the past, um, about you know my plans for the future, I, I I've actually taken a pretty major step. Um, towards that this week in that I, uh, I basically gave my notice to, to the folks at work and, uh, told them that as of, uh, basically as of May, I'm going to pretty much see out the, the month of, of April. Um, and after that, I'm going to return to the world of self-employment and plan on, well, I wouldn't say picking up where I left off completely. I mean, you could say that in a way, but, um, but now that I know, yeah, I mean, again, one of the goals I had uh, for taking this job um, was to meet some new people in in the business who use the kind of stuff that I want to be working on, you know, or who are making the kind of work that I I like and using the kind of tools and processes that I I want to get into. Yep. And and uh, I've been fortunate enough to have done that. Um, not you know not on a huge scale or anything like that, but I feel like the one or two people that I've met. Um, you know, are, are solid and I think it's going to work out. So, you know, I got some, some, some nice and some nice sounding leads and, um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I, I, I still do the little one, one, onesie, twosie sh- uh, shoots. Uh, I've, I've got a couple of really, um, easy type of stuff, uh, type of sh- clients, I guess you could say, um, more documentary type stuff. Um, which is just sort of just to keep, keep my feet moving, just to kind of keep in shape. But, um, soon within the next couple of months, I, I, I foresee myself getting a little bit more serious and shooting a lot more and, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, getting in better shape. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I was telling you earlier that yesterday I shot uh, film and digital at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny shooting film, such a different feeling, I don't know. It's funny because every time you click the shutter, you know money's being spent. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, of so, so somehow it's it's a funny like sensation that you're like, oh, especially if you're shooting medium format. So it's like a buck a shot. You know, it's like click. Ooh, it's a dollar. Click. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but the results, it's I shot uh, some of this Ilford film. It's black and white, but you process it C41. Um, so you process it like regular color pictures you could take to to uh cvs but it comes out black and white um, right and uh you know it came out really nice and it, it it's funny it does have a different look and it, what i've been trying to decide if if it's actually the film or is it because i'm shooting medium format and so you know the way that the out of focus areas fall off is different because of the format you know the size of the image and whatever uh it's 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 
I don't know. It's 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 an interesting question. I guess the I guess the real question is uh, to you know you well, one day we'll have to get a, a digital back before you leave and do some tests. Mm-hmm. You know uh, to see what 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 really is the difference. We'll shoot film and digital and, and on the same camera. You know and, and yeah, we'll, and, we'll set the same shot up on 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 sticks or whatever. You know the same exposure, the, same we'll everything. Flip the back, yeah, exactly. Just just pop the the back on for. For film back for one, you know we can do all three we can do transparency negative and uh, yeah and digital maybe we should you know we should figure that out for like the next week or two if you if you can grab one one night just to totally dude click through whatever uh, you want set it up that yeah uh, it might actually be it might be interesting because it's funny the picture I took of my friend Eleanor it really does it looks different but the problem is I mean what was the is it uh, Kodak came out with their quarterly profits and they're down <laughs> 75% on the year yeah. year over year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a matter of time when you honestly can't get film anymore, you know. Yeah. Uh so it's a little it's a little sad. I don't know. I don't know. How many I'm, how many I, film backs do you own? Uh I only have one for my Hasselblad hmm. film backs or cameras in general, just no, the backs. F- film blocks film backs for your Hasselblad. Yes, I only have one cuz I I never really shoot more than that. Mm-hmm. You have any work that you can grab? Mm-mm. Uh, I'm sure I can get one. Yeah, we, we can probably rent one if we need to. Yeah, it's just it's just an old five series. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you have mean, a, so we could you shoot, have a five hundred three, so, right? Uh, it's a five hundred cm. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, the newer ones. It's funny because they add a, all kinds of features, but really, it's just you know about plugging things into them more. You know, yeah, stuff that I would I I just never do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I shoot my Hasselblad usually with available light. I mean, I have shot with strobes and stuff, but it's just at that point, it's just like, well, I use it to travel most of the time. And you, you have I, a obviously you have a handheld light meter. I do have a handheld light meter. Is it an old Gossen Luna Pro or something? Uh, no, I have a, a, a Siconic. Siconic. Minolta. The, the, the low end Siconic because. Uh, you know, it's funny. They have the ones with the little spot meter you yeah, know, yeah. telescope thing in them and whatever. Uh-huh. I, I just – all I ever really need to know is how much light is hitting the bobble at the top, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I have the low-end one. In fact, I, I lost one a few years ago. I was in London, and Andrew and I were taking some pictures, and we got up and walked away. And then I realized like you know, 10 minutes later that either I or she had put down the light meter to take the picture. Uh-oh. And it went back to get it, and it was gone. Dope. And it, it's just frustrating because those things are really expensive. I mean, yeah. even the crappy cheap ones are two hundred dollars. You know, no, it's true. It's so true. it's kind of like that oh, was so frustrating. So I had to order a new one. Butter. But uh, I mean, this one is what I use if I'm shooting with the four x five too with strobes. So I mean, I do shoot film with it. But uh, but it's funny because the Hasselblads have that weird thing where um, they have measurements on the lens for EV too, not just aperture and shutter speed. Right. So you can like lock in a certain light level and then, you know, it keeps the sh- shutter speed and the and the aperture set correctly. Yeah, well, that's the way they design those lenses. That's one of my favorite yeah, things about them. It's like they're right next to each other, so you just have to grab them with one hand and or, you know, put your finger on both rings and turn and then you're yeah. you're set. Yeah. So it's it's, super it's cool. so this, you know, these the meter can actually read that way too. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's 14 or 13 or 12. Um just click it in and you can choose. Um so it's it was it was fun shooting with film again, and it makes me want to do it more. It's just annoying that you can't do it. I mean, yeah, there's a local place here that does C41, and they do black and white like once every couple of days. Yeah, but it's not like it's not you can't just do it and get it done. 
I guess I could if I go all the way into town. But even in town, you got to wait four hours to get stuff developed now. You know, well, like yeah, at, I mean, at, at the good labs. Yeah, you know, it used not, to be like oh, cheap. two hour turnaround for E six, and now it's like oh, well, six to eight hours. Yeah, and it's not yeah. cheap either. Yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy expensive to go to Dugal and get some E six stuff processed. Totally. So it's 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 just changing. In in a weird way, and then I, recently, apparently, on a four by five world, <laughs> they changed it so the the quick uh, quick load and ready load, which were like these single sheets of four by five stuff that already had like the dark side built in. Yeah, you were talking um, about that. Yeah, so they stopped making that stuff. So it's like it it's gotten to be a real pain in the ass. It's like we're we're now not back to nineteen seventy. We're back to nineteen thirty. You know, <laughs> as far as how you use film. Yeah, um, it's true, and it's it's. Well, it's yeah, just, you know, you know, it's gonna be interesting to me, man. Is 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 what's gonna happen? Um, it's sort of like that. What's it called? The Impossible Project. You know, the people who sure. tried to revitalize uh, Polaroid. Yeah. People I've, who I've who've grabbed some say it's not very good. No, well, that's because they, you know, they're they're aiming at the at the lower end. You know, they're trying to they're they're looking at the cheap Polaroid stuff, not the good yeah. Stuff. But I mean, but, even the quality control is not very good. Yeah, like, all well, it makes sense. Place. But but. Um, I mean, I don't see any reason why a, a dedicated, you know, group of people can't, you know, sit there and, and follow the same formula that, you know, the big boys did to make, I mean, f- film, as, as I understand, it's not terribly complex, man. I mean, it, like, it's just basically no, but, plastic but it, and some chemicals, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think what it comes, well, consistency is a big deal in film. You know yeah, I mean? That's you, true. You buy Portra 400 NC because you want what you've gotten every other time. Right, um, and that's and that's what you get with Fuji or Kodak because they're doing it in huge scale. Right, and I think that's the problem is that it is it's definitely a business of scale. Yeah, and the scale's not there. Yeah, um, it's true. And, and which so, is, you know, you, you you get into that whole I guess good, fast, cheap triangle where you know you can't you can't have all three. Yeah. So so you have to skew that and it, right. get it, it, it used you know. to be fast and cheap because there was a ton of it. You know. Right. Uh, but you know it's. Even I was even thinking, okay, well, I can I can load my own holders for the four by five, and maybe I'll get a little kit and process my own black and white here, you know, just negatives. But yeah, even looking you, into that the other little, day, what, like a little Jobo, one of those little auto auto. Yeah, you just empty machines. it out, put it in, shake it, empty yeah. it out, put it in, shake get it. A, get a changing bag. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I could I could do it, but like, is it worth it? You know, does it work out to be? For some economically people, viable, dude. I mean, it, it, it depends, man. I mean, I, I go back and forth. I just can't decide if I want to get that involved. It's funny because I, even on my picture uh, of that girl that I put up, where is it? Where just to read a comment. Some guy writes because I said that I was really enjoying the uh, the 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 whole process of of shooting film, and then I put up another picture that I shot digitally, and this guy wrote in. This guy Dave wrote in. Uh, they both look really good to me. How close are you able to get that film look with your processing of the digital file in black and white, which I've tried before, just as an aside. And you can get it close, but not it doesn't look the same somehow. It's like the curve isn't quite there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you point out, you instantly have the digital file to work with and have to wait for the film to come back. That in itself is a game chamber changer for me. Clients with deadlines, crazy brides that want to see what I just shot. There's no way I could go back to film. And my answer to him was that, like, well, sometimes it's not about time. You know, sometimes it's not about instantaneous, you know. No, um, of course. And it's – but it, but it's it's almost gotten to the point where for most photographers it has for their clients. 
So that also takes it out of the loop. I, I really wonder what, I mean, I know a few people who still shoot a lot of film or, or act like they shoot a lot of film, <laughs> younger people. And it's kind of like, I really think, I keep thinking like, what, where do you think this is going? Or, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I would just, so at work we're you know, we're, we're doing a bit of a, it's a bit of a turnaround happening where in addition to me leaving, uh, we also have two of our more senior seasoned veteran, uh, digital techs are also slowly, you know, withdrawing from the company. So we've been going through, um, interviewing, you know, trying to find suitable replacements for these guys, which is harder than you think because, are you know well uh, that's a story for a different time but the point is uh i just met this dude this this young kid i don't think he's much older than 25 years old and uh he is he he says i have a dark room and i and i shoot almost you know me me personally i shoot film almost exclusively and yeah and i I didn't get a chance and he shoots like hasselblad too he says i'm a v v system guy and he owns an old he said he was able to pick up uh, Adorama's last P25 before they sold it. You know, it just okay. got serviced. So this is like, you know, a 25 megapixel large, you know, medium format digital yeah, bag. probably looks good. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably does look really good. Um, I, th- I think he got it for next to nothing, like, you know, three grand or something like that. Um, and I, I did get a chance to spend too much time with it. I think we're going to hire him, though. So hopefully I'll get to pick his brain a little bit um, before I split. But, um, but yeah, it, it sort of just struck me as, as interesting. And then, you know, one of our other guys, um, who's an old school RZ diehard, he loves the RZ 67. Um, he shoots in film for all of his personal stuff as well. I mean, he, he'll do, he'll do the, um, the digital thing for work. You know, he's doing lookbooks and, and catalog stuff and, you know, lots of fashion stuff. Cause he wants to, he, want, he actually wants to be a fashion photographer, but for his personal stuff, um, he shoots, he shoots all film. It's really interesting because, I mean, even uh, Jay Maisel doesn't shoot film at all. As far as I know, he doesn't shoot film at all. He's all digital. But his assistant, John, who's this younger guy, super nice. But John, uh, you know, has a bunch of cameras, but also uh, most of the time now shoots with a Roly, hmm. like a little roller, old Roloflex. Yeah, the twin And it's kind of like, it's funny because it's... I even said to him the other day, because I've never shot with a Roloflex. I, you know, I think he and I are going to get together and swap cameras for a day, you know, so we can play with the Hasselblad. Mm. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, wow, like this young, you know, 20 something kid is shooting with the Roloflex, which he might not be able to get film for in two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sad. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, but again, I guess the world changes, you know, um, yeah. But it's 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 a different thing, and it was it was fun shooting with this camera the other day, and it makes it reminds me that I need to pull out the Leica and the Hasselblad every once in a while and just shoot a roll and bring it to CVS or down to this place near me, um, accurate photo, because you know they'll I'll hand them the film, give them three four dollars, they'll run it through in ten minutes and hand it to me, you know, like just a complete roll out of right out of the machine, you know. Yeah, I just I just scan. need it processed. I'll come home and scan. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 not even it's not that bad as long as I'm shooting C41, right? But it's still it's still you know four dollars for that plus four dollars for the roll of it, ten bucks or something you know? Yeah, it's true. So and the time, I guess I mean what, I think Ken Rockwell made some crazy little analogy about how film is still cheaper than digital when you, when you factor into disk space and the the amount of time processing on your computer takes. Um, but then that kind of gets thrown out the window. It's like, well, dude, if you're fucking scanning your your film, you're still making a file, <laughs> you know? It's like, come on now, you dude. <laughs> uh-huh.